Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. Man United have won three games in a row. Uh, I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. Rob, that's weird to say, isn't it? Man United have won three games in a row. Crazy. It's shocking is what it is. Three games in a row after seeing what we saw against Brentford. But uh, no, a good start to the season now. This is kind of creeping towards. Uh, And thankfully, the end of the transfer window. (laughs) Yeah, it is the day after the transfer window closes. United actually made two deadline day signings, even though we knew who they would be. Uh, What we're going to do in today's show is uh, rate the transfer window and grade it, grade each transfer um, on, I think Rob's your pitch is to do it on price and player. Uh, So we'll go in that direction uh, and reflect on how United's transfer window has gone overall, because we know that they've had a public pursuit of Frankie de Jong, which has in the end resulted in nothing, but strip the context away. It's not been that bad. Uh, We'll be talking earlier in the show as well about the win at Leicester, what the wins are built on, uh, because there's been, we've seen something in United over the past couple of games at the very least, Ah, and and against Liverpool, to be fair, built on defence, perhaps. There's some players like Scott, even Scott McTominay is doing all right at the moment. Uh, And then we'll look ahead to the Arsenal game at Old Trafford on Sunday. Uh, I'm itching to see Casemiro's first start. I was hoping it would come last night, but it didn't. Uh, Maybe, maybe he will be rotated in for the Arsenal game. Arsenal top of the league, five out of five. Can United end that record uh, with a win and go within three points of them? And even, like, you know, they continue building off this basis and they continue, like, grinding out results. You never really know how far they can go. Uh, But Man City, obviously, the favourites for the league. I'm not saying United are going to go and challenge for the title or whatever. I think I would take top four. And with the likes of Chelsea and Liverpool not being too great at the moment, maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's a chance. Uh, But yes, we'll talk later in the show about the transfer window as well. And just a reminder, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And you can watch us on YouTube twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to the channel, hit the like button, subscribe, leave a comment and join the community. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform. And on Twitter, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show is where you can catch us uh, giving opinions all the time on Man United, their transfer business, matches, etc., etc. But Rob, uh, what did you make of the Leicester game then? Because, you know, it weren't great again, but 
it's unlike United, especially over the last 18 months, to not play very well and still win, isn't it? Yeah, it was a tale of two halves, wasn't it? Because I think the first half, you know, they read the script. They did it all pretty spot on in terms of their pressing, their attitude. Obviously, fantastic goal from Jadon Sancho in transition. You know, typical Man United in terms of their strengths. And in the second half, they came out and they all looked a little bit jaded and soft and a little bit tired. Um, I think one player that really epitomised it for me was Marcus Rashford. So Marcus Rashford in the first half, full of energy, running, pulling into the channel, helping out, you know, incredible uh, run for the goal to get uh, Jadon Sancho in. Second half, I don't know if you noticed it, Scott, if any of our audience noticed it, but Ten Hag was in his technical area around the hour mark absolutely spitting bullets at Marcus telling him to run and it wasn't that Marcus couldn't it wasn't Marcus didn't want to run he couldn't run he didn't look fit he was like and really chugging and I think he had a good 20-25 minute spell but that was kind of indicative of the whole team they just kind of I don't want to use the word switched off because I think that again makes us sound that we think the team doesn't try or doesn't want to try but you can see that to play Ten Hag football for 90 minutes you're going to have to be super fit. And this is where the Ronaldo question comes into it, because I think you see now with Cristiano, he runs for two minutes and he looks like he's on Bambi legs. And it's really, it's a tough style of football to play, isn't it? So overall, you didn't play brilliantly over the 90 minutes, but you won and that's okay. This is what Man United need to learn now is that if you don't put the performance in for whatever reason, you get the result. One nil is always a good result. Yeah, Ten Hag said, but even before the season started, I think that winning was the most important thing. As much as he wants to implement his style, it will take time. And he's retained even through the last three wins after the games that, you know, this will take time. The players are still learning. They're still adapting. There's a long way to go. I think changes need to be made to the team. We obviously know who those players are. United have now signed them. Uh, I think they quite miss in Martial as well, actually. I, th- I really think that there was... Sometimes the ball was bouncing off Marcus Rashford or you wouldn't you wouldn't really be able to hold it and allow other players to come into the game in the final third. I think Martial, it's, it's a shame that he's injured because I think he would probably be able to do that a little bit better. But on the you said there, Rob, you didn't want to say switched off. And I agree because, you know, we got a bit of stick for being a little bit negative on, on the show a few weeks ago. I'm not feeling negative at all. Uh, somebody uh, tweeted me last night, blue skies uh, with a little uh, little question mark. Yes, that's that's how we're looking at it. That's how I'm looking at it anyway. Uh, and it's also worth caveating it with, uh, before we, you know, speak more positively about United, Leicester, not very good at the moment. They, you know, but you have to do that job. United have to do that job and they did that job. And I think the thing that United have had in common in their last three games the Brentford loss 4-0 was a fork in the road. It was a real fork in the road. I think Ten Hag saw that and was like, right, I'm making my changes now. And United have a back five of David De Gea, Diogo Dallo, who's playing really well, actually, uh, Rafa Varane, Lissandra Martinez, and T- Tyrell Malassia. And this looks as strong a back four as we've seen in a long time. Uh, and especially the, especially the centre-back pairing. Seems like these wins are built on, you know, 
the spirit that they have and the love for defending was epitomized in one tackle Diogo Dallo made in the second half, uh, bounced off Harvey Barnes and they just went mad because uh, <laughs> they defended it quite well. It's like, it's refreshing to see actually, isn't it, Rob? Very refreshing. And, and you know, we've talked a lot over the last few months about personality. You know, if you haven't got personality in your ranks, you must go out and buy it. So this is what I think United have tried to do in this window, not just trying to increase the technical capabilities of these players, but having players that really want it. That players will come in and from day dot go, this is what I do, this is how I play, and I'll live and die by that. So like you just mentioned there about kind of the back four, there's no doubt that Martinez and Rafa Varane have some kind of chemistry. You can see that from the early days. There is an attitude an experience, a kind of camaraderie that's there from day dot. And for any manager, that's what you want to see. And we don't really want to go back to the kind of, uh, to the Maguire-Lindelof scenario because injuries might push you that way eventually. But you can totally see the difference between that and what we talked about over the last two, three, four years and how bad they are as a, as a pair to this two who've only played a short period together, but have got completely different outlooks on the game. Completely different outlooks. It's like play different sport, Scott. Really is. It's crazy. So, you see it? Mar- yeah. so Martinez is five foot nine, but Martinez with the balls in the air, he's not going to lose it. If he, if he can, he's going to go for it. He's a vicious type of centre back. He's going to push it. He is the butcher. So you know. So I you called calling... him Butch, yeah. <laughs> Already, I call them Raffer and Butch. That's their nicknames now. Hashtag Raffer and Butch. And, and, and I think that every good team is built on a good centre-back pairing. So, you know, you can have elite players all, all across the pitch, but if your centre-backs are soft and slow and don't make the right decisions, you might lose games. And I think that's where United were last year, isn't it? You can have the best striker of all time at the top end of the pitch, but if you've got a, a soft core, you're probably going to fall down the table. So I think it's really promising to see those two players lead the way because they are the captains they don't need the armband yeah but Varane and Martinez are the two that will dictate everything from the back and you can see that and you just said there about the Delo tackle you know you see all these high-fiving this is deliberate yeah you can see they've talked about this and gone we're going to outwardly show that when we do a good defensive action we're going to celebrate it because if we do that it gives you the impetus to do it again so really really promising with that but this is what I mean about Leicester you said the Leicester not very good they're not very good, You're obviously in a bad place. They've not made signings to kind of bolster themselves. But Man United are starting to implement this new way of football under Eric Ten Hag. And it's not perfect, but it's getting you results. On a, I don't know if you saw it, Rob, but there was a... Rafa Varane did an Instagram post after the game and Lisandro Martinez left a comment and he said, it's a pleasure to play alongside you, brother. Uh, which is is really nice, isn't it? You know, Rafa Ran, very experienced, has won pretty much everything there is to win. Uh, Lisandro Martinez, obviously, I think he's mid twenties, but you know, you would have seen, uh, especially at a young age, Rafa Varane at the top of at the top of the game, and you know, it's just really good to see that relationship developing. Uh, we've got Malassia, who's a Young left back uh, and Dallow, who's starting to really come into his own. And I think this one's pretty settled. And Europa League's coming up, so maybe that's when we'll see the rotation. Uh, but, you know, United have a few different options now. And they can fall back on the back four of last season, actually. Uh, 
Wambasaka, Luke Shaw, Maguire and uh, and Lindelof to deal with the Europa League. Maybe I think they play their first game next Thursday. So yeah, uh, encouraging. We've seen now Cristiano Ronaldo is staying at Man United. The transfer window is closed despite all the noise. We await his interview or whatever he said he was going to do. Uh, I want to stay at United all along. Has there been an attitude change, do you think, Rob? Is he just... Because there was one moment last night where he was played in down the left side of the box and he crossed to Ericsson and it was cut out. And I think, no, Ronaldo always takes that as a shot, even with, even if it's with his left foot. Uh, he's come in now. He's still on the bench. He's not making too much noise. Do you think this is a sign that he's just going to have to accept the squad rotation role he's going to be given. Maybe Ten Hag will end up starting him when Anthony and Sancho, you know, are on the wings because both can pick out a cross. But what do you make of uh, Ronaldo's attitude at the moment? I think he's in a between a rock and a hard place. So he doesn't really like his options are pretty slim, aren't <laughs> they? So you know, like it's either turn up for work and do what you're told, Cristiano. Or don't. And I think the thing is, in a World Cup year, again, we talk about this all the time, you know, players trying to impress. Now, Ronaldo doesn't need to impress anyone, does he? But ultimately, if he wants to play games, he's got to conform or at least do some of that. So I I, I uh, highlighted that as well in my head. I was thinking about it when he did that and he passed that ball. Because I actually don't want him passing that ball. I want, when he's in, shoot. Yeah, I don't mind when he's one-on-one with the keeper, wherever he is. He's Cristiano Ronaldo. That's the one thing you know for sure that he's the best at. That's it, yeah? So I didn't actually want him to do that in that moment. But I think it does show a wider acceptance that there are tactics at play here, and he has to be part of those tactics. So, you know, in terms of starting, I cannot see him starting any major Premier League game as it stands because he simply cannot perform the wider physical function. So that's a problem for him, isn't it? You know, and that's not about saying he's fit or he's unfit. He just cannot do those things. We saw even in that cameo of the game yesterday that when he's running for the ball or running with the ball, his gas tank empties almost instantaneously. That's not a problem for him because he's he's old. That's what happens with old players. But he's not a runner. He's never been a runner in that way. Um, but I think he's going to have to now conform to it. He looked a little bit less miserable on the bench yesterday than maybe the game before and the game before. And I think we might see that if he sat next to players as good as, say, Casemiro on the bench, I'm sure Casemiro will start matches. And I was really impressed with Casemiro's cameo yesterday. I think he did really well. I think when you look at that, he might then cut time and go, well, do you know what? This is not a bench full of kids than me. This is a much better bench and I'm willing to play my part. I'm still getting paid my money. And hey, I've only got to do it for half an hour rather than 90 minutes. It means that I can put, save some in the tank for the next match. So all of that will come into it now. And I think Ten Hag's totally right about the squad and about Ronaldo's usage. And I think Cristiano's just got to get on with it. You know, He didn't get the move he wanted. He's not in the Champions League this year. So try and help Man United win some games maybe. And then in a year's time, if you're so desperate to go to a Napoli or a you know, sport in Lisbon or whatever you, wherever you want to go, then you can go in a year. And, and I wouldn't be surprised actually if he's out the door, say around January, because there's always that potential that if he plays all right this season, that someone will want him, you know, he's still a, a goal scorer, isn't he? Um, how much he can help United this year. I think that's debatable. I think he will have a bench role. Oh, but it's a, it's a, 
good, strong prospect to bring off the bench if you're struggling Happy. and in need of a goal and got a team pinned in, you know. And, and yesterday you saw it, didn't you? You saw Rashford's performance tailed off and, and, and it felt like that. And you thought, right, so how do you make the changes here? Right, I'm going to push Rashford left because he can run that channel. He'll be fine with that. Sancho was ready to come off. You could see his, you know, his, his game was run. And it gave United a structure to still operate within. Took your press away, but it still meant you had enough runners on the pitch around Cristiano. So then this is where the manager would have to be smart and cute with it and to be able to make sure that when he comes on, it doesn't mean, mean United's game plan completely collapses. Um, and I thought he did okay. He came on, he, he did his job. I, I think if he shot that and put it in the back of the net, It'd be a slightly different story today. We were saying, yeah, this is this is his role now, and twenty minute, twenty five minute cameos for Rashford or Martial coming in through the centre. He can do that job for a short space of time, but you can't start the game, Cristiano, because you have to start the game as you mean to go on. And he will not press. He can't press, and you need players that can do that. Yeah. So United are up to fifth. Uh, it's a long way from the bottom, which is where. <laughs> which is where they were a couple of weeks ago after the Brentford game. Uh, there's a different feeling at the moment. And while it's not nowhere near finished, this is no, we're nowhere near the finished article, obviously. There are some foundations that are starting to be built and you plonk Casemiro on top of the centre-back pairing and that becomes, well, once everyone's fit and up and running, that becomes some a, a, a stronger prospect. Definitely. But I think you're seeing already that with some tactics, Scott McTominay looks like a bit of a footballer. So he doesn't, Crazy, look world- isn't it? He, he doesn't look like he's not world class. But again, we've just talked here about the balance between energy and doing stuff on a football pitch. If you say to Scott McTominay, I do not expect you to be the player that, that passes the ball forward all of the time and you can give it to those better players around you. You know, the key here is Christian Eriksen. So Christian Eriksen won man of the match in here, which I thought was a bit strange. I didn't yeah. think he was man of the match. I thought he, I, I thought that in the first half, he gave you kind of Paul Skulls vibes. And that was, I'm going to drift around. And when the ball comes to me, I'm just never going to give it away. So I'll slow the game down. I'll speed it up. I'll make all the right decisions. Great. That's what you bought Christian Eriksen for. But having Christian Eriksen allows Scott McTominay to be more ec- economical. And I don't think this is what Man United fans have bought into for a while. Casemiro came off that last 20, 25 minutes. I thought he was superb. Really good decision maker, energy, coverage. Calm. But being a but calm and a ball player. Like when he gets the ball in tight areas, he's like, yeah, have you seen how many Champions Leagues I've won? I can pass the ball. I'm not an idiot. And just playing very simple stuff. And you're out, aren't you? Because you made three good passes. And suddenly you're on a you're on a really good press and you're you're counterattacking. So that that was good because you saw that. But I think this is the whole thing about Fred and McTominay is that you know we won't talk too much about them. We know why United fans don't like them, but they can help you if there are other players on the pitch helping them. And this is kind of where I think it it will all kind of mesh together over the next few weeks. Casemiro will without doubt be a starter. You can see that he's going to be a leader of the football club. Um, you haven't spent that kind of money for him to be a, a super sub. But it's just acclimatisation, isn't it? Just bringing him in and giving him time to get used to his new surroundings. Uh, I think he, he's going to be a superb player. Yeah. Um, so anything, any other comments you want to leave on the Leicester game, Rob? Or should we move on and look forward? 
no, not really, not comments, but do you know how I feel about it, Scott? Is that when watching the games, is that I'm just going into it with a complete open mind. I don't yeah. go into the game with any expectation. My only thing is here, I'd like to see some good football. That's all I think. We, you know, United are on a football pitch. We've got some decent footballers go and play some football. And this is what we weren't getting last year, is that you just had you had all these stars, or whatever they want to call themselves, not playing football. So this is all I want to see now, because if you play well, you will get the rewards. And there'll be games when you might play well and lose. But if you play well and lose, we'll go, all right, well, take it on the chin. That's just how it is. So I think that it's going to Leicester you still have to do a job. Man United last year probably wouldn't win this game. Again, I keep saying it was like it's a bit like the Southampton match. They go there, they wouldn't have the intestinal fortitude, as I call it. You wouldn't be able to do that, go on a football pitch and win that game against the team pushing. Leicester pushed in the second half. But a good victory, 1-0, you move on to the next match. Yeah, nice tee up. They go from playing the bottom team in the league to the top team in the league. Uh, Arsenal are looking decent at the moment. They have a few injury problems in midfield. Uh, but my only, I have a slight concern the Thursday, Sunday turnaround. And given how players are, you know, they've started to look a little bit leggy and Arsenal have had that extra day's rest. Um, but I feel like this is a really good test. For both teams, actually. It's a really good test for both teams. I think Arsenal haven't really had a big team to to dispatch yet. And United have to continue and back up the statement that they made against Liverpool uh, with another performance against a team who are playing, you know, some of the best football in the, in the league at the moment. So your initial thoughts on, on the Arsenal game, Rob, because it'll be a tough one, but you, how are you feeling? Confident or... I don't know if confident is the word, but putting the bricks together and looking at the wall that's built in front of you, I think Man United will have no fear in this game at all. They've just beaten Liverpool with a really good performance. They've won three on the bounce and they won't care that Arsenal are top of the league. They just will not. They'll go there to go and do their own work and their own stuff. Now, Arsenal have had a great start to the season. You can see how Arteta is building that project and it's, and it's solid and it's good and... There's a lot more positive things to come for Arsenal fans, no doubt about that. But I think coming to Old Trafford, this could be where their season hits a little bit of the skids early on because I think United will outwork them in certain parts of the park. I think they will. I think they've got that. I think United have still got that Casemiro factor to come into the team that give them more midfield control. And Arsenal, even though they've won these, these opening matches, they've not been perfect. You know, I've watched every minute of their games and they are also a development project still, even though they're at the top of the league. It's just that they're maybe a year ahead of Man United, aren't they? And they've also had a good transfer window. So, again, I think the the expectations of the game for United is to win. You know, it doesn't matter who you're playing now. Go to Old Trafford. You've got to win these matches. And I think that they will be able to close Arsenal's game down more than, say, the opponents that have played Arsenal so far. United will have that control and that work ethic. And we've got to see it again, haven't we? So um, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, but I think you've got to go in now with the attitude of winning every match. You've got to go there. It doesn't matter who you're playing. You, don't, you can't say, oh, well, this, that and the other. Man United haven't really got any injuries as it stands. I think Martial is the big exclusion. Like if you get him back, that really helps your attack. But overall, there's, a, there's positive parts to see from these two football teams. And I don't think Man United will be scared one bit. Yeah, I mean, there's... It's, it's, it's weird. I mean, I, I want to kind of put it this way. I think we haven't been able to have that feeling about United going into games where 
over the last couple of years, really, not not confident, but like, this is Man United. They should be winning every single game. That's gone. But now it just feels like, you know, three wins in a row. You can start to feel like you can bring that feeling back. And this is the first time I've been going into a big game probably over the last year thinking, I expect United to win this. Not, yeah. I, I, not I'm confident yeah. they will, but I expect them to. Like, you know, that's the standard. You have to win this game. Not, and oh God, we're yeah. going to lose this one 5-0. Yeah, and it's not even the victories. It's the game management and the philosophy so you know that Ten Hag's philosophy just will not change now. This is what Ten Hag does. He's not going to go in there and say, oh, it's Arsenal today, so let's just play a low block and completely rip up what we've been practising now for 12 weeks. Not going to happen. You know United are going to put their best foot forward. They might have to mitigate in some positions because that's normal. You know, you might have to do something different to look after one or two of Arsenal's midfield players or a sacker or a runner or whatever. But overall, Man United are going to do Man United things. So that's why I think that confidence comes from, Scott. And it's quiet confidence, isn't it? Because you kind of go, right, you've got the tools. You're showing that you've got the dexterity to do it. Now just go and do it. Go on, do your training. Get on a football pitch. Do it again. Repetition, repetition, repetition. So United have got the quality to do that now. And I think, you know, we'll talk more about the transfer window in a bit. But overall, I think the window was was good. It means that you've brought in players in key positions. Can you carry on improving? Yes, you can. No doubt about it. But Arsenal shouldn't really hold any fear for, for this Manchester United team. Arsenal are not miles ahead of Man United in terms of skill or technique. It's just that they're more together because their project has been going longer. So Ten Hag's been a little bit hesitant to change the team uh, in yeah. the last couple of games. To some fans, actual frustration, especially ahead of the Leicester game. I know that I wanted to see Casemiro start last night, but he didn't. Will he start this time? And obviously United have signed Anthony as well. What do you expect Ten Hag to do with him? He said he need to, needs to have a couple of days training and then we'll decide. But I feel like he would really add something in a Langer's position. But I don't know. He's not He's not been wholly ready to just throw people straight in as of yet. Personally, I think that Ten Hag's done exactly the right thing with selection. You stick with it. You don't, changing winning teams when you're trying to find a way to win consistently is not smart. So you might buy players like so. Obviously, Anthony's the big the big signing, the biggest signing of transfer day history. Yay, Man United have won the transfer window again. They'll be very happy about that. But more importantly about that overall is that Man United have now got options. So it's about being able to build into that. So Anthony and Casemiro will undoubtedly be starters through the season and beyond, and you hope that that's a success. But do I think he should change the team for Arsenal? Absolutely not. No, because these little tweaks are what lose you games and what lose you momentum. Stick with a winning formula. I want to see exactly the same team, the team start against Arsenal. Exactly the same team. And then you change it as you need it. You might find that Casemiro is now ready to start, but then... Who drops out? Do you drop McTominay out? That's the obvious one, isn't it? That you take Scotty out, you bring in Casemiro, and that's not too much of a big reach. But he might look at his midfield and say, well, Scott McTominay is giving me the energy in there, and I still need that. I need an energy player in there. So do I drop out an Ericsson? Or even more crazy, do you drop out a Bruno and push Ericsson higher up the pitch? There is now that option. United haven't had that option in recent years. Bruno just starts because he's Bruno. So it'll be interesting to see what the selection is, but I really, really hope that he just sticks with it 
and doesn't make too many changes. One change maybe at most. I will be really shocked if Anthony starts the game. I really cannot see it. I think he'll, he needs to be on the bench for one or two or three weeks. He needs to kind of, again, acclimatise to Manchester United. It would be bad for him, I think, to go into the Arsenal game with all that weight on his back. I'm sure he'd love it. I'm sure he wants to make his debut. But I think you need to be patient. What if Martial is fit? Well, Martial, to me, already is a starter. So Martial not starting is not because you're trying to stick to a formula. It's just because he's injured. So if you look at that front four, it kind of picks itself week to week if Martial is fit. If Martial's not fit, you're only tweaking the personnel. You're not tweaking systems or philosophies. So there's there's it's undoubted that Ten Hag wants to play this season as Martial as a nine. Undoubted. So when he's fit and he shows it in training that he's fit, probably starts so this is what I mean about changing things only one or two players at a time Scott because I think I think Ole didn't used to do it Ralph tried to do it and you see it happen at Man City all the time where we talk about tons of rotation and if you're Man City fine you can get away with it Man United can't get away with it you can't not yet eventually you might be able to so only bring in those one or two so I would rather see Martial play if he's fit than Anthony I really would. So you bring Martial because that helps Rashford, that helps Sancho, that helps Bruno. So those things are, are kind of, I think, cemented and set in stone and are not rotational pieces. They are, they're the foundations of the of the rock. So I, I hope that Martial's fit because I think he brings so much more to that, that front line. I was thinking in the second half yesterday was that when Rashford was, the ball was just bouncing off his shins every five minutes. I was thinking that doesn't happen with Martial. Martial yeah. will control that ball move it on or turn and dribble into the space, but not dribble erratically. He'll dribble into there and maybe check and bring in someone else with him. Rashford still struggles with that. We know he does. It's He's not the most technical in that area. Good first half, but second half, you could see that as he as the tank emptied, he became less useful. But he will also undoubtedly, I think, start against Arsenal. United play Arsenal Sunday afternoon in the Premier League. I believe it's the... The 4.30 game. Uh, we will see. 4.30 UK time. I know we have uh, people listening in different countries. Uh, but, you know, just for once, let us know in the comments how you're feeling uh, about that game ahead of time. If you're starting to take a little bit of confidence, we won't do a prediction, Rob, because, uh, you know, try that before, unless you want to. <laughs> I think we I think we should expect a victory. I think we should expect it. I think this is where we have to go and live now. We have to live in that world of like not last year or the year before or the last 10 years. We have to say, right, if you've spent that amount of money, you should be expecting to win football matches. We'll leave it at that. Let's move on to the transfer window rated because the transfer window is now closed. Uh, United have had a busy one. Uh, erratic, weird at times, bizarre. But actually, when you strip all of the context away and you look at the six players they've signed, Anthony Casemiro, Martinez Eriksson, Malassia and Dubravka, it's decent. It's actually decent in terms of what United needed, where their squad was at the start of the season, where it was last season. There's The thing that jumps out of me really is the, the areas they've managed to strengthen in right through the core of the team, maybe not up front, but Casemiro and Martinez you'd expect them to be solid uh, picks. Christian Eriksen offers you something in midfield that United didn't have. Anthony is an answer on the right side, which they haven't had for 
forever. And then you've got a couple of supplementary signings as well. Malassia, I think, has been, I wouldn't say a revelation, but he's been, he's made a solid start, you know, and there's plenty to build off with him. So how do you want to play this one then, Rob? Because uh, should, we, should, we, should we make an overall comment about the transfer window and then dig into the players individually? Yeah, let's, let's do the players individually. And as I said, when we talked about this off air, I said really we should give each signing two gradings. And what I meant by that was one for the player, for their quality of how good they are, how they're going to help Man United. So that's one grade. But then a grade for the finance behind those deals. Because as we've said, and I've said before, Man United, I, as a fan, I don't care about how much money they spent. Just go buy the right players. If you spend a lot of money, so be it. You know, we're supposed to be one of the richest football clubs in the world. So there is that. But I think you, there is this correlation. And I think fans quite often talk about price and value, again, in a, in a maybe a football manager type of way where they go, oh, he's worth this or fantasy football. And it's not really real, is it? So it's kind of the, it's, it's not in the, not in the industry itself. So we'll talk about, I think, the players and then talk maybe about an overall how good the window was. But I think we kind of look at those two elements because they're the most the most important elements in any transfer window. Let's let's go from uh, most recent to uh, least, I guess. Yeah. Should we start with Martin Dubravka? <laughs> we can we can we can brush past this one quite fast. I think the big signing, <laughs> the big signing on loan from Newcastle. Yeah, Martin Dubravka. Uh, did you get what did you give them? I think this was this grade was the same for both, wasn't it? For Dubravka, I gave the, the the player the player himself a C. So we're going old school here in terms of how you grade stuff. This is not the new. You even put system. A stars in some of these. I did. I really do. They do A stars in school anymore. They do do A stars, but it's not really an A star. They call it something else now, and then that's equivalent of an A star. So okay. uh, in old money, it's uh, it is what it is. But for Dubravka, I think the player himself, he's not a bad goalkeeper. He doesn't really push the envelope, does he? It's more of a filler because you lost Henderson, who now will play every week at Nottingham Forest. Uh, so I gave him a C and I gave the deal itself a C. We're looking at a kind of value of around two million up front, potentially six million with the trigger clause to buy the player if he plays a certain amount of games. I'm all right with that. Obviously, the least interesting of all the signings this season. Uh, but it means that now if De Gea goes and gets an injury that you're not relying on Tom Heaton. No offence to Tom Heaton. He's not Premier League standard anymore. He's decent to be have around the place of good influence in the goalkeeping ranks. But I think Dubravka, you know, someone who'll sit on the bench every week and he'll help United if they get injuries. I agree. Uh, let's 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 move past. Uh, I... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I mean, maybe you'll see Dubravka in some League Cup games, but I think David De Gea is the it's gonna be the main choice. It's gonna be a, a big year for De Gea. I also looked at the the amount of players out of contract in a year's time. Maybe we'll leave that for another show. Um, I think we might run out of time today. There's a lot of players out of contract, but United have an option to trigger on all of the contracts. Uh, There's a potential opportunity for a lot of turnover there, but let's move on to the most expensive signing of the summer. Anthony from Ajax. This one, important to kind of stress that this this was the player that Ten Hag wanted for this position. It took them a hell of a long time and it took them a hell of a lot of money to pull it off. But I would actually, what, what, have, what have you given the player here? Because I, I might strain towards an A minus actually, because I really like him. I've given him a B minus and I've given the deal, the deal itself a C minus. So do you want me to explain why I think those things? Yes. Go on. Right. I like Anthony. I think, you know, he's the player I wanted. I, I really liked him all the way through. I think when Ten Hag came and you were eyeing Ajax talent, he was definitely the one. It was like, can you go and get him and bring him with the manager? Well, the answer to that is yes. The reason why I give him a B minus, Scott, is that as good as he is and all the potential that he's got, he is not the finished article. Nowhere near. His stats show that. His metrics show that. Everything shows that. What you're buying here is potential. So I'm I'm saying B minus because I don't believe that Anthony is going to be the guy that gets Man United in the top four. I don't. I think a good team and him being part of that team will get you where you want to be. But I think when you look at the deal, I've, I've given it a C minus because Man United could have bought him at the start of the window for 65 million quid. They could have, because they were already 20 million over the top. You know, they wanted to pay 45 million. That was the first offer. And Ajax went, no, Do you remember you, when that came out and they were like, oh, they expect yeah. to tie up this deal for 40 million. And we both went, no way. That's so this happening. is classic United, isn't it? It's classic United in the window is that they've now paid 85 million for a player they could have got for 45 million if they'd just gone and done the business quickly. And they've paid double because Ajax have just, waited and waited and waited and pushed the price up and and then you get to a point of no return don't you where you have to either pay the money or walk away so that's why i give the deal itself a c minus because that's man united's problems in the transfer market as per usual but i really like the player you know and 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 he's going to give man united so much value on that right as a player that can dribble with the ball and you know we'll love all the skill and we'll love all of the kind of you know in lollipops and cartwheels and everything that he does with the football at his feet but what's most important is that he's going to improve United's press. He's good on that side. He can really do that. He'll push the ball and he'll push that part uh, of the territory back towards the defence. Sancho can't, doesn't not do that. But Sancho, I think, on the left will be a better balance coming on his right. No doubt. And I think as well that Anthony coming in from the right to the left on his left foot 
it's just going to open up United's options massively. So especially in the channels and on the wings. So a good signing. Um, as I said, I'm not going to get too pernickety about, about the cost of the deal. But it's not a great deal, is it? I think when you're spending that kind of money, I think if you want to spend 85 million, and we'd said this a year ago, you want proven quality, like absolutely proven goal scoring metrics, assists coming out their ears. Do you remember when we signed Angel Di Maria? And he was like, they paid big money for him at the time, but he was the, he was the best assister in Europe and the best assister in La Liga by miles. So you're going to pay the money. Anthony doesn't have that, not in his pocket yet. So you hope that he becomes a star in a Man United shirt and he gets maybe double digits, goals and assists and helps United into that top four this year. I got, I probably agree with your grading, maybe on, on the finance side anyway, I think. What do you C minus? C minus because it's, yeah. it's, it's average, isn't it? Like you haven't really done well in the deal. You've lost the deal. Ajax won the deal. So, you know, you, you, you'll be happy with the player. And that's why I gave him a B minus, you know, maybe a B, B minus, you know, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um, he's a really good player. But the deal itself is a, is a, it's a horrible deal in financial terms. But you've had to do it because you're horrible. That's the bottom line. So you've had to do it because you were not very good in the negotiations and you needed good players. I think it depends how he does uh, when, it, when we analyse how effective, effective that deal is because everyone questioned Liverpool for paying 75. I'm not saying that this is the case at all, but when you pay 75, 80 million for a player and they slot into the team and they improve it, the price doesn't matter if you're a big club. It doesn't matter. never matters. So, it doesn't matter how no. much you pay for a player if they're successful. If they're successful, you can pay the moon for them and it will be fun. But if, you, if they're a Lukaku... Yeah, if Lukaku comes from Everton and fails and you sell him two years later, or Lukaku goes to Chelsea and he fails and he's back in Italy straight away, that, of course, is a bust, isn't it? But you can only make those choices maybe a year or two down the line. Yeah, uh, and the the confidence I have in this deal is I've seen, I know what Ten Hag's job is. I know what his uh, the expectations are from him to come in and improve the squad of players that has been underperforming for a long time. And now he's brought one of the players that he already knows, that already knows his system with him to United. Yeah. So I feel like that progress can continue with him and set a good example for the others as well. So I I like this deal. I actually really do. I know it's got a lot of stick, but I'm very excited. He's probably might be my favourite signing of the summer, I think, uh, even ahead of Lisandro Martinez. I do I do quite like that one. But let's, uh, let's move on to Casemiro because I know that uh, we've, we did a whole show on this, on the cost of this deal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but I, I look at, I look at the six names there. I look at the context and I see Anthony 22, Malassia 21, 22, Martinez mid twenties, Ericsson and Casemiro at 30. You know, I'd need that little bit of extra experience in the midfield. And I think they would, as, as much as they stumbled upon this deal, I think, Having Casemiro for the next couple of years, I know he's they've given him what five years of it, is it or four years plus one? I forget. It's good to have an experienced winner with that kind of attitude coming into this team. We've already seen it in his small cameos that he just brings that extra bit of calm and steel and ability to pass the ball, which I, I forgot what it's like to see a midfielder be able to pass the ball effectively. Uh, how do you rate Casemiro? So again, we'll stick to the same kind of 
line of player grade and financial grade. And this is where it gets wild because this is all about Man United, how they do their business. So Casemiro is a world-class central midfielder. So I've given him an A minus. I could have given him an A, really, you know, especially what he's achieved in the game. I give him an A minus because I think in terms of adaptation, he was still going to have to show that he can do the Premier League grind week in, week out. He should be able to. He's that kind of player. Um, but a top player, fantastic A minus. The deal I've given an E. An E. Why have I given it an E? Because it's a stinking deal for someone of his age bracket, of his potential long term. You've bought that player at that price of what equates to about 150 odd million. Like it's a mad deal when you look at wages, incentives, the price that you've paid Real Madrid. And Real Madrid have bitten your hand off of that because Real Madrid are not like this player is not good. They've gone, what? You're willing to pay what? Okay, let's do the deal. So United have been forced into that situation to do that. Why have they been forced? Because they didn't get Frankie de Jong. So this is where they were. So United triggered that deal because they needed a midfielder. I think Casemiro is going to be a raging hit at Man United. And like we said, as time goes on, I don't think anyone's going to be talking about his price tag if he's successful because that is, you know, that's what you want. You want a player coming. You don't want to talk about price. But the deal itself, Scott. I don't think any club in the world does this deal. Only Man United. Only Man United because of their desperation and what they need in midfield. And because they've not bought a midfielder since forever. You know, they lost Paul Pogba and went, oh, we'll get Frankie de Jong then. That'll be all right. And then spent all summer getting a player they haven't got. Casemiro fills a big gap for Man United, especially in leadership and personality. That's where I see this. I see as someone who can come into the team and help the team. But A- minus for the player, the deal itself is a bad deal in terms of just pure money. It will be a good deal if we come out of this in two or three years' time and say Casemiro was a raging hit. I'm going to give it a D. I think I'm I'm with you on the A for for the player himself, but I'm going to give it a D. Just because of the necessity, I guess. Like When I looked at the De Jong deal Hmm. and Ten Hag wanting to play De Jong as the six, because that's I think that's what he wanted, I just, I just still worried a little bit that they didn't have that steal. And I like yeah. the profile that Casemiro has. And ultimately, yeah, it's a hell of a lot of money. But I'm looking at it through glass half full again. Uh, it makes a change for me over the last two years. Uh, I'm hoping this one and Ten Hag can maximize the, the ability of this player. I say potential with other players like Anthony and Malassia. But uh, there is a proven winner here. And he should hopefully uh, fill that gap for a few years. And yeah, obviously it's, it's a short-term short-term purchase, but hopefully his experience, his know-how can be within the squad for a few years and help guide the younger players who need a bit of guidance uh, towards better times. Christian Eriksen, for you. Christian Eriksen, so let's do the grade straight away then. So player, B minus. The deal, A star. It's an A-star deal. You've paid nothing to get a top, top diverse midfield attacking talent. And this is, I, I was really high on Ericsson at Brentford. And I was like, you know, as soon as his deals finish at Brentford, United should jump in. And I went bang that drum and I pushed and pushed and pushed. And thankfully that's where it went. Because when you look at Ericsson already in this short window of what he's done, you know, I say B minus because it's so rare to have a player that can play the six, eight and 10 roles and kind of just 
fit seamlessly into them. Like Bruno tries to do those roles, tries to do like six, eight and ten. And just is so wildly different in different parts of the park, isn't he, in terms of his usage, where I think Ericsson doesn't have that problem. I'd rather see Ericsson play higher up the pitch, of course, for his creativity. But I think as a player, there's no doubt about him. Premier League proven. I said B minus. You could I could have given him a B, could have even given him an A minus. And the deal itself, not every deal falls into your lap like this one. You know, a free transfer, someone who's a free agent. But you, you, you're not going to get a better player at that price range. And that means for me, it's an A start. And this is the balancing point, Scott. So if you've overpaid for Casemiro, you've overpaid for Anthony, you've got a player like Ericsson for nothing, pretty much. So this is, I think, where you balance out whether a window is successful or not. I'm with you on the grades, actually. I, I do think it, there is a little bit of concern for me with, uh, I know we spoke about this on the last show, with, with Ericsson having to play 90 minutes all the time. I still mm. feel like there's another player that needs to come in with the same qualities as him that should rotate. Uh, and this is why I was pushing De Jong. Uh, but that was never, that was, it got to a point where that wasn't going to happen. But I don't think that pursuit is over by any means. Uh, we'll see how his season plays out with Barca. Uh, and we'll see how United managed to progress. Maybe United will be, uh, we'll have more luck in a future transfer window because I think. They've put a lot of time and a lot of effort in. I don't know if you saw uh, Ten Hag's post-match hit to BT where he said uh, there was like 45 minutes of the transfer window to go. And he said, if an opportunity comes, we will strike. Uh, with a, he, he said that throughout the summer, but he said that with a bit of laugh. Uh, tongue in cheek, but he said, it's over for now, but we still have work to do. So he knows that. And I think De Jong is the one that he wants, you know? And, and, and it gives United now time between now and the next window to just go and do the scouting. So, yeah, you can wait for De Jong, but don't be foolish and wait forever. You know, this cannot be your next Wesley Schneider. It cannot be that. You can't do that. Like United back in the day when they, you know, were going for Schneider, they didn't really move the, the needle to go and get someone else, not someone of that quality. So don't wait for De Jong if De Jong is happy sunning it at Barcelona, not getting paid. That's up to him, isn't it, mate? Off you go. Go find other midfielders. There's plenty of good midfielders in Europe that can help you play pressing football, play counter-pressing, play possession. Loads of them. Just go and find them. Go scout them and find what you need. So I think you're right. I think United will revisit that in January. But I also think that probably De Jong will renegotiate his contract. They'll find some structural payment. Barcelona will probably lie to him, say, oh, we'll pay you this in a year. And then a year will come along and it'll be the same thing. Man United will be knocking on the door. We'll all be going, this is terrible. Here we go again. I don't want United to wait for players. Go and do your business. Go get decent players for your squad. Go win football matches. And we can then forget about the kind of fluff around players like Frankie Dion. Lisandro Martinez then. I have a feeling yeah. you'll like this one. Maybe not the money. Yeah. But you like the player? Yeah, I like the player. Look, I've seen a lot of Martinez at Ajax and had my own opinions about him. I wasn't sure when United first knocked on the door for him and said, you know, is he the right player? I wasn't bothered about his height. I've never been bothered about his height because when you look at his heading metrics, they're better than any Man United player in the existing squad. So I'm not worried about those things. I've given him these two grades here. I've given him the grade for the player I've given is a B because he's. I don't think he's the perfect centre-back. But I think he's the kind of personality you need now, right now. You know, you need a warrior. You've bought a warrior. You've put him in your team. He starts. The deal itself, again, when you look at price, United played, I think, probably top back for him. 
So I've given it a C minus, but this is one where I think we will never talk about price ever again. Because if he plays well, 55 million is just a drop in the water. You know, that's below the kind of money that, that Chelsea are trying to play for very average players. Like Cucurella costs that kind of price from Brighton. You know, they were willing to take a young lad for Everton for more money than that. You know, it would be a pure development project. So I think overall, this is kind of, again, the sweet spot where you get a player that has a high value, but not so high that you're too worried about it. He's not, it's not a 150 million pound deal, is it? Where he might only have two or three years left. I think Martinez really could become the, the spiritual leader of Manchester United. I really do believe that. I think he's the guy that's going to put his neck on the block and really kind of push the team in those moments. He's the one doing the high fives, you know, at the back when there's defensive actions. He's going up to people, punching them in the chest, grabbing them by the face, giving them kisses and hugging them and kind of going crazy, all because Diego Delo actually made a successful tackle. That's good. I like that. You need that kind of leadership. And I think Varane likes him as well. You can see that Varane is comfortable with him inside of him with a left foot. Overall, a really, really, really good signing. I agree with your grades on Martinez. I think I'm, I'm right there with you. I do. I really like him. But he's just... There was a there was a moment last night where I think he fouled Jamie Vardy and got booked, and he was like, mm. "What? Yeah, what are you doing? Like, I just love that um, in yeah. the nicest possible way." S-house. And United fans you singing know. Argentina, Argentina, Argentina. It just brings back memories of good stuff. So, like, this is just what I mean. With seeing them him go up to the fans and then respond to him, he's the kind of play that you want. Like, this deal could be an A star A star deal at the end of the season. End of the season, we might be going. <gasps> That's what we needed. We needed a player like that. And that's changed everything because you've now got this player that leads and kind of gives you those qualities. So uh, I like him already. I didn't care that first. When we lost to Brentford, I didn't think anything of it that way. I didn't think, oh, you know, this is a bust already. And people were like, oh, he's only five foot two. What's going on here? No, he's not five foot two. He's tall enough. He can run. He can fight. He can really be the guy that means that, that badge on the shirt. He'll represent it really well. Brings balance to the defence, brings a bit of toughness that United have lacked and that they need. And he's uh, flanked by Terrell Malassia. Mm. I'm going to give this one an A, Rob, in terms of the price, because I think this might be the first time that Man United have spotted a bargain that will, what was he, 14, 15 million. They brought him in. He's already the starter ahead of Luke Shaw. And in a year, two years' time, his value could inflate. This is a very exclusive club uh, that United have been buying expensive players for a long time and just losing value on these players. I think Malassia is probably the first example. And I, I want to see more of these signings. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know how good he is yet, really. I don't know what, how, how good he can be, but it's a good start. And I feel like more of these players with the right attitude, the right profile... Uh, good quality as well. He's good on the ball. I feel like United need to make more of these signings over the next few years and integrate them to the first team squad. Because if this was, let's take let's take Brighton as an example. If Brighton has signed Terrell Malassia and he slotted in there as as say uh, Mark Cucurella's replacement, if Brighton had signed him and he was playing the way he started for United, he'd be worth fifty million in a couple of years to a bigger club. That's how absolutely, I yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I I gave the deal an A. I think 15 million or around that price is just peanuts in today's market. Uh, if he is successful, he'll be a 50 million pound fullback overnight. 
you know, if he does well the next six months. Uh, I'd like to see United do these deals. Why? Because this is what other good clubs do. You go and find talent and then you might pay a premium for them at that at level. Look what City do. They will go and pl- buy players. Julian Alvarez. Julian Alvarez, a complete superstar in Argentina already. A hero at one of the biggest clubs in the, in the country, in River Plate. And they've bought him for literally nothing. And he sits on their bench and he played the other day and scored twice. That's what you have to do to formulate a squad. So with Malaysia, Malaysia, I've given him as a player a B so far because I think he's played okay as he's come in. I don't think he's anywhere near perfect. I think actually some of the Premier League stuff that goes on on the pitch, he struggled with a little bit. Even last night, I think he is a technical player that can come inside and invert and do those things is what you want a fullback to do. But you can see he's still learning the Premier League on the fly. So this is why I think that if Luke Shaw comes back, finds a way back into the team, that you might find him and actually doesn't actually play as much as you want. I think that might happen. I think Luke Shaw comes back in and goes, <gasps> culture shock. I've got to do I've got to do more like he did when Teller's turned up. I've got to push my own performances. I've got to run a little bit more. I've got to overlap. I've got to come inside a little bit more, be technically better. Then I still think that Weighing the two players up, just today, Luke Shaw is still the better player. But Malassi is going to give him a run for the money. Malassi is going to say, I want to get in that World Cup squad for Holland. I want to play. This manager knows me. I know this manager and watch me push. So I think that he, he again, like Martinez, is just all about energies. And he's about that, you know, I'm, I've got an attitude. Don't you, you saw again in the second half when things were falling apart. It was Malassia going up to players, pointing fingers in their faces, going, you need to get over there because when I've got the ball, you need to give me width. I love that. Great. That's what he won. He's taking responsibility. So let's see how he goes. I think if he develops, again, this is going to be an A-star, A-star deal. It's going to be like that. He really reminds me of Patrice Evra in terms of his output, of how he plays, his attitude. And he's a leader. Again, you've bought another leader, but you bought him for like 15 million, Scott. There is value in the market. I hate all this stuff about you can't get players for good prices. They are out there. Just go scout them. You got this player because Eric Ten Hag liked him from the Ajax days and before. And you probably would have seen him at Ajax this year if you'd seen that uh, that Ten Hag stayed at Ajax. They probably would have bought him for 15 million. And then in a year's time, Man United would be trying to buy him for 50 million. So you got in there early. And this is what you need to do now. You need to have a system that helps you bring in this type of player. If you would like to play uh, transfer window grading, head over to our YouTube channel uh, and leave a comment. Uh, the Promise Land of Manchester United podcast is where you can find us. If you haven't subscribed already, leave a comment on uh, your gradings. If you want to do a grade for the player themselves, or if you want to do like we've done here, a grade for the player and a grade for the price, feel free. Uh, but let's uh, grade the window as a whole, Rob, because the transfer window has closed. What would you give Man United... And their business on the whole. Well, doing total grades is difficult, but we'll try. I, I still, I think at, at the end of the day, if you've got De Jong, this is an A window. Yeah, if you get De Jong, you're happy. You've got everything you really wanted, all that you desired. But you didn't get De Jong, but you did get Casemiro. Casemiro really wasn't on the list at the early days. He certainly wasn't scouted. You knew who he was. You didn't really have to think about him. I think it's a kind of BB minus at the moment, because I think that in the first instance, you can't get everything you want for a new manager. You never can. You can only get some of the bigger pieces and maybe some of the squad pieces. 
and they've done that. All six of those players, I don't think if you take Dubravka out of it, it's not really interesting to Dubravka. But you look at the other five, those five can be starters, viable starters for the weeks and months ahead. You just said they're about rotation and about players like Ericsson and all of this. I don't have a problem with that. I'm the opposite. I don't want to see rotation. I want to see consistency. These players, as physical entities, can play 90 minutes, 65 minutes, over to a week to week to week. Yeah. So if Ericsson, you don't want him to play 90 minutes, 20 games in a row, but you don't want that for any player, do you? So I think there will be some rotation, especially with the Europa League coming up and in the cup competitions. Um, but overall, I think it's a kind of BB minus. But do you know what? If you come top four, it's an A-star window. You know, if this really helps you and pushes you to where you want to be, we're, we're looking at all those players. And if they're all successes, we're going to look back at this window and look back at it completely different to the last window where you won the window. Sancho, Ronaldo, you know, you got all of the stars in. Varane, it was an A-star window when it finished. But at the end of the season, it was an E or an F. It was a fail, wasn't it? You didn't get anywhere. You sacked your manager and you had to start again. So a good window today might not be a good window tomorrow, but might also be a sensational window come the end of the season. B minus for me. I think there are players who United have signed. I, I really appreciate that they've now addressed problem positions on the right-hand side, defensive midfield, centre-back as well. And they have a creative mm. midfielder in Christian Eriksen and added a little bit of competition because Malassia is an upgrade on Alex Tellers. <laughs> oh, We've, God. Uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So th- th- that that's really important, isn't it? Is that you start buying two players for a position because I think that's what United didn't do over many, many years. And it means now that if Luke Shaw isn't doing it for whatever reason, like you don't know what it is. It could be fitness, health, could just be bad form. You've got someone that you're actually happy to start. And I think that this is the problem. Now, United need to probably do that on the right-back position because if Wan-Bissaka doesn't make strides now and you've kept Wan-Bissaka, then you need those options, don't you? I said that United need to still go out and buy a world-class right-back eventually some at some point in the next windows because you need that competition. You need two players for every position. The four, I think you identified four positions. I agreed with everyone. They would have been the been the positions that I picked as well. We'll talk about that in another show, though. Uh, yeah, the only the re- only the only reasons why I've gone B minus on the window, couple expensive cost. I feel like United mm. have, you know, dithered as they usually do, and they've overpaid for three of those players, as it stands. Yeah. Anthony yeah. Casemiro and uh, Martinez, they've overpaid for. And I would also uh, grade it down for the public nature in which it was played out and the Frankie de Jong pursuit, which is ultimately they've they failed to bring Frankie de Jong in, who was the number one target for the entire summer. Hmm. And the jumps between Rabiot, Arnautovic to Casemiro. Just, oh, thank it, God we didn't get any of those. Do you know what I mean? Like That is like, oh. This is that, what that, it could have been. <laughs> It's kind of like they were just dangling it in front of us going, well, you know, you could get this so you could be even less happy than you are. Um, but no, I, I've said, uh, I wrote um, during the Ranik era when Ranik was talking about recruitment and, you know, he was getting quite deep about it, wasn't he, in press conferences. I said at the time that Man United are going to have to spend half a billion to re- refit the squad because it's literally like you're refitting so much of it. People have said to me now in the last few weeks, but weren't you the one going on about youth? Yes, I'm still going to go on about youth. 
And still, when we're talking about rotation, Scott, I still want to see Zidane and Savage in there at some point. You know, but the good thing is, is that you've now got the foundations. 250 million in this transfer window is a hell of a lot of money. But ultimately, you just had no choice but to spend it. Certainly when you lost 12 players, outgoing 12 players. Now, they were all rubbish. Let's be honest. They didn't do what you wanted them to do. But the quality that was in that group, you absolutely needed to replace. I think they've done that just about. So that's why I would say BB minus today, because it means that you can start football matches with a decent football team out there. And I think that you've brought in a bunch of brand new leaders. And that is, that's, I think, the most important part of this project in the early days. Yeah, United have more business to do, but obviously this transfer window is now over. It will be back open in January. I think they're going to go back for jury and timber at some point. Poor Ajax. Uh, do you know what? I, I think about Mr. Timber yesterday and now things have happened and he was the first one to turn United down. And I think in that moment, he's looking at it and he's going, oh, I've got Louis van Gaal in my ear going, don't go. You know, you've got to play games and blah, 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 blah. And now I've signed a new contract with Ajax and oh, my God, now all my teammates have left. <laughs> uh, you know, so, so, like, like, so this is a problem now. And now he's carrying the football club on his own. I think you're right. I think Man United, if they do want to write back, as just said about having a world-class option there, Timber, I'm not saying he's world-class yet, but come January, even though he signed this new deal, he will be very available and very willing, and especially Man United are playing well. And he then looks at it and goes, I should have not listened to Louis, and I'm in the squad anyway, because he, he ain't got any choice. And, uh, and I'd like to play in the Premier League and earn a few hundred thousand pounds a week those are all very, very kind of seductive elements to a footballer. So uh, I think you're right. I think he still might be the right back solution for Man United long-term and it might not be very long until he arrives. Yes. Uh, we'll talk on another show, Rob, about the positions they need to address in the future. I think we, you established them as goalkeeper, right back, central midfield and striker. I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. Uh, that's a Core lot of signings. spending. Core signings. It's a lot of spending, but they have to be great, solid players totally but we've just we've just proved it haven't we you can go and find a malaysia at 15 million where i said the next spend not necessarily in january but i think in the next two windows is going to have to be between two and 300 million again why because you're buying at that level if you want an osman you have to pay for it yeah if you want someone at that level you will have to pay for it but you know what city have just gone and revolutionized their attack with a 55 million pound signing called Haaland. So you can do that, but they supplemented him with an Alvarez. So United have to be smart now in these next two windows, but yeah, we'll talk more about that. Obviously in the future, we'll go into depth. Hopefully we're saying, wow, this squad's really done it this season. And we're only having to go maybe buy one or two, you know, go get that sweeper keeper maybe. And that striker because Ronaldo is now out the door. Um, and then you might be able to go and shop in the Malaysia basket in the supermarket rather than just having to go and buy everyone at 50 or 60 million plus. One final question before we wrap up. Hmm. Jimmy Garner has joined Everton. Yes. Uh, fans are not happy with that. Where do you stand? Um, Jimmy Garner did really well on loan, obviously, at Forest last year. He's proved that he's worth a shot in the Premier League. With the signings that you've made, does Jimmy Garner play any minutes for Man United? Probably not. Probably plays Europa League now and then, Carling Cup, League Cup type things, any of those competitions. If you can get 15 million for a player that you that you can't use, 
you go do that business, don't you, Scott? If you've just spent 250 or 225 million, you can't keep everyone. And this is how, you know, we've said this again before. So I like Jimmy Garner, but I don't actually think that his skill set befits what Man United essentially need in that central midfield at the moment. You know, like I think populism-wise, United fans would have liked to have seen McTominay get sold and Garner get, get, be retained. But why? That's just populism. You know, the manager's looking at the metrics and going, Scott McTominay, he runs like a dog. He'll fight. He'll kill people for me. But Jimmy Garner, that's not really his game. I don't need Jimmy Garner for that. So what happens? Jimmy Garner goes to Everton. James Garner is also, he's from Merseyside. So this is a kind of return home for him. So I think he's he's happy about that. He's very happy with the deal. We've heard this. Um, I'm not upset about it. Players come and go and, uh, you know, you support the football club over that. So I, I think that uh, for 15 million, better than him just sit, uh, you know, on, on our bench or go out on loan again, because then, if he has a bad loan, his value becomes nothing. Like, you know, we just sold Tyre Chong for 1.5 million to Birmingham. And it was only two years ago that they had 10 and 15 million pound offers for him on the table. And they didn't take it because they just went and sent him out on loan to the Bundesliga or wherever, you know. So take the deal when you sometimes need it. it can be a shrewd one. You can't develop every player. And I like United's core of youngsters that we've retained. United do need to get better at selling. Maybe that's another one for another window. Uh, but yes, uh, let us know your gradings on all of the signings that uh, United have made. Let us know how you're feeling confidence-wise as Arsenal visit Old Trafford on Sunday. Let us know a grade for the transfer window as a whole as well. And let us know anything you'd like us to talk about on future shows. But thank you very much for listening today. Just a reminder, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes. And now you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays normally. So head over to the YouTube channel, hit the like button, join the community, leave a comment and subscribe. And the link, if you're listening on an audio platform, should be in the description of this episode. Uh, if you can follow us on Twitter too, that would be great. At underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore P and at Promise and MU for the show. Rob, thank you very much. Uh, big game at the weekend. Uh, we'll see, eh? Uh, I'll be there. Indeed. Uh, wonderful times. Three wins in a row for Man United. Difference in tone. Hopefully it continues. Thank you very much, everyone. We'll see you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.